You're listening to another great show from the Nod Network. Find more great content at nerdod.com. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. This is Heroes Needed, the Overwatch Players Podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Richard. And we're back now with an episode, and we've got a few things to cover that go as such. We're going to talk a little bit about the um, uh, the UK in the Overwatch World Cup. Mm. We want to talk about the changes that are coming to Torbjorn, yep. everyone's favorite Swedish tinkerer. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a bit about one of the arcade modes as well, the arcade mode called No Limits, and also uh, a hero type, which is a, a, quite a, a wide topic. But we're going to talk about tanks specifically with a few points about them today. So let's start off talking about the Overwatch World Cup. So we mentioned in the last episode how we hadn't quite seen as much as we would have liked. I had the pleasure today of looking at some of the highlights from the UK-France game from, from last night. And uh, spoilers to those who haven't watched it. Including me. In- including Richard. <laughs> um, but... France was victorious over the UK in what looked to be quite a hard-fought game, but France came out. You've got to give them one. Yeah. Give them one. Yeah. And I mean, the upside is they're both going to the finals at yes. BlizzCon. Yeah. So France have got the number one seed, UK had number two, so it's okay. They're still going through yeah. from their group anyway. So it's going to be quite the, the, the matchup at the end. And I'm although the timings were better for this group, they still weren't really ideal. I mean, I think the, the France-UK game was sort of uh, five or half past five yesterday, yeah. which is better than most of them have been. Yeah. But it still wasn't ideal for the middle of the afternoon, I guess, uh, which is a real shame. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I've been in work for the past few days, and, and we've been, you know, I've been really, really busy. So the, these kind of times sound great on paper, and then you have the practicalities of working and trying to get home and trying to figure out how you're going to watch it, etc. And it, it doesn't really work out. But it does mean that I can go back and probably watch all of the stage, which I might actually do because it involves the UK. Yeah. I mean, like we said in the last episode, not being in the app means that it's a little... You have to kind of wade through the Twitch website and, more friction. A and lot find more friction it there. To get it. Yeah. But, you know, well played to France. Uh, UK cannot fight in the next one. Because, again, they finished second behind France, but they still did really well. So yeah. that was yeah. great. So how do you think that kind of game, though, compared, in your opinion, having seen it, to league play? Was there a difference? Was there a distinction? Do you know what I think I saw? From the from the, the elements that I saw of it, there seemed to be more, like, big play moments. Mm. You know, like a lot of the Overwatch League games, there were... Uh, the fights were kind of... <clears throat> a fight would go one way, and then the next fight would go the next way. Mm. It wasn't as often you saw those, like, big, like, um, huge multi-kill diva bombs mm. or... Um, Massive earth shatters that related in a team kill. Like they, they weren't as common. They, when they happened, yeah. they were huge and they were cool, but they seemed to be a little bit fewer and further between. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the highlights that I saw, and granted I was watching highlights, you will see the best parts, yeah. but there were a lot of big moments. Mm-hmm. You know, big sort of 3, 4K diva bombs. You know, huge ultimates that relate to you know, just wiping of the enemy teams. Mm-hmm. It did seem a bit like it was a bit more frenetic, mm-hmm. a bit more... People showing they've got something to prove, yeah. I guess, yeah. uh, and I think that maybe that that ends up having you know more exciting Overwatch. But 
it definitely felt a bit more like the league plays a little more considered, mm-hmm. a little bit more um, that the pace is kind of structured, I yeah. guess. Whereas in the, the World Cup games, it's been very much a case of all right, go in there, use your ult, smash the opponents, just do make something happen. Yeah, which I think is it's a it's a weird uh, comparison to that kind of measured and, and almost delicate kind of play where it's all kind of balancing different plays and different mm-hmm. ultimates here and there. Whereas it seemed a bit more like you've got one, all right, use it, let's make, make something happen. I wonder what what causes that though. I wonder if obviously like with the league, with Overwatch League, there's obviously a lot more on the line. Your your ultimate boss, you know, your boss's boss's boss, however this team structure is, has paid twenty to sixty million to get a spot. <laughs> so I guess there's a lot more on the line in that sense if they want results. So I guess that's why it would be more considered. Um, and in terms of the sheer number of games they play, obviously the league they they were playing for the majority of the year. There's a lot of games to play. Yeah. I wonder if there's that element with the with the World Cup. They seem to kind of go hard for a very short amount of time. Yeah. But the big one that stuck out to me when I was thinking about it just then is these are players who are all from the same country. Yes, there is language that is a factor there, because they all speak the same language, presumably. They're all from the same country, I would imagine so. But also, they all have the same cultural touchstones. No, I don't think they're talking about TV and film or like something that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's unique to their country. But surely that makes communication easier if you're not having to go between English and Korean, and it's one of those as a second language for you, and you are coming from maybe a different frame of reference. Which thing to that? Do you reckon it is just that added cohesion maybe so yeah I guess because you figure if you're spending a bit less time thinking about the way to phrase or or say something Mm. and more time just shouting out what you're going to do you can make those things happen quickly and I think you're right as well because of the idea of how short that space time is for the World Cup that it is a case of you want to make an impression quickly yeah you know you figure players who are on the in the league already and on teams have that uh, expectation that they want to keep their jobs and they want to play well to show that players who perhaps aren't in teams yet and have aspirations to be league players mm-hmm. maybe want to set their stall out and make a scene and they're trying those sort of big flashy moves yeah. to, to achieve that end absolutely I mean one of the things that we've seen with all of the transfers and people being released and people changing roles and all that kind of stuff is that while they have contracts for so many years while they have so many assurances it's not guaranteed that they will still have their job in between seasons or even throughout the league. I think that's one of the things that keeps these people kind of fresh and hungry with it. They're not superstars yet who are assured that they're going to be there for five years if they so choose. It is hard fought to keep a job. And I guess going into the World Cup and seeing just how many talented young people there are playing that... God, that made me sound old, then. Talented <laughs> youngsters. Yeah. These talented other players that are out there who can do it just as well as you and maybe better. I guess that kind of lights a fire under if you are a league player with one of those coveted spots. Yeah. Well, from the point we, we touched on a, a couple episodes ago, if you're a player, you know, for instance, the quality of, of Shadowburn and the Fusion, mm. and there's no place for you in that team, if you're a player who's coming up and wants to join that league, yeah. you've already got some established, incredible players that you have to set yourself against I yeah. guess in a competition for roles and for a spot on a team yeah. so you've got to play hard and play fast to get seen mm. and to get that kind of recognition and then maybe one of my favourite themes which I keep bringing up this kind of contrast of Overwatch versus traditional sports people often talk about or at least in films that I've seen again I don't watch many sports but in, in that kind of uh, archetypal story or that stereotypical example they show them maybe watching lots of footage of particular players or of particular moves. This is a thing where we have all of the footage of all of the different player angles. If you want to know if you're as good as a player in an environment like that, you can start at least 
by watching every one of their games, by seeing how they perform. And actually, if you are able to adapt to that and their strategies and maybe incorporate some, maybe find workarounds for others, see how much better you perform. Yeah, you're not playing on a stage in front of people, but you're at least seeing how you stack up to them. And I guess that, you know, that encourages younger players who want to get there to go, right, that's how good I need to be. I can do that. And it's also correct something because you figure if someone is watching the film and watching the footage mm. or watching the streams, a lot of these players were streamers before they were professional. Yeah, of course. So you figure not only do they have all the footage from games they've played in the league or yeah. in the World Cup, but they've probably also got footage from games they've played even before that, yeah. just when they were playing recreationally to try and work their way up the rankings. So you've got even more. If you want to know a player, you want to know them in and out. Like, <clears throat> for instance, a player, Seagull, mm. who recently retired from the league to go mm. back to streaming because he has such a huge fan base as a streamer, that's a huge wealth of information about yeah. that player, even before he went into the league. You know, and for its own reasons, the idea of, it, although it might seem strange from the outside to say, okay, you're giving up the opportunity to be a professional player to do that, I imagine the way these these streams are set up, there's quite a loyal fan base. Yeah. It can be quite lucrative, and I suppose you can play your own way, I guess. Yeah, he's, kind, of he's kind of gambling in a sense. He's, he's, make, he's t- making a calculated risk in the sense of the league for him, I guess, represents a sure thing you will earn this much or thereabouts maybe some more you'll have these many perks whereas streaming for him maybe could be this is a chance of something bigger I guess mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could make that same bet myself in his shoes but hey I'm a different person it's a very bold statement as well to retire from the league after <laughs> one season and you're like this guy's like what 22 or something Mike he's retired single season yeah. and you're out no I mean in terms of that you've got all this historical footage yes we don't see the team's practice games obviously they're not streamed in that way Mm. but their individual streams are so it's almost as if you could follow say a football player through every single practice round as they're running drills and observe their progress and yes you want that person they are going to do things differently to you etc but if you can learn from somebody else's mistakes you're not waiting for them to share an anecdote with you which may never happen in the case of a professional athlete you may not be in the same room as them but if you can see where they struggled with something and actually, like you say, through these hours of footage, see how they got around it or how their style's adapted, that's that's got to be a place of inspiration for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's... I'm, I'm still very much looking forward to the end result of the World Cup and what that means for the league. Yeah. I mean, we spoke about the, number, the sheer number of teams that are going to be next season, the difference that's going to make and yeah. how it's really going to shake things up. So, Definitely. very exciting to see. Uh, good luck to Team UK for the mm-hmm. finals. Um, <laughs> although the French were pretty strong, so we'll, we will see. I mean, they're going to be strong at something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Poco plays for that team, man. That is true. I do love the French. I do joke with them, but I do love them. So the next thing we're going to talk about was the tour pre-work. Yeah, so yeah. moving on from nations of the world, let's focus on Sweden, Sweden and particularly Sweden. this particular Swede, uh, Torbjorn Lindholm and his rework. The best Swede. Yeah, well, you know, you got Brigitte now. You got I'm, I'm, I'm not going to back that claim up. I'm no. just going to throw it out there and then move on. <laughs> Loyal Torb fan. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, the, the, the rework that's come out now, much you know, sort of following on from um, uh, Sombra's rework that really kind of changed her up and made her a, a far more a playable character mm. in, in more situations. Now looking to do rework as well. As you, of course, yeah, Symmetra. Yeah, some, some big changes to those heroes, and now we're looking at something you know, similar to Torbjorn. Like and loathe in equal measure, I think, because <laughs> of the way his abilities work at the minute, yeah. and the idea of seeing whether those are going to change up significantly now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, liked and loathed, to put it nicely, I've heard it described as a troll pick, sometimes <laughs> when people pick Thor, particularly on attack. Um, yeah, it's a real tricky one. I mean, the, the current system always felt a little bit 
janky, I think is the right word. Mm. You know, you currently kind of, or people currently throw a turret down, try and level it up. They have to wait with it while they level it up. They have to run and try and find scrap. They can toss out armor packs, but, you know, it does a bit of healing. Or not healing, but it gives them a little bit of armor in a situation, which is very, very useful, don't get me wrong. But that's all it does. It's a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. a huge amount. You compare that to Brigitte, for example, and it's, it's nowhere near. Yeah. Although it can affect more people. You've then got these kind of, not weak, but not great primary and secondary fire. You, know, you underestimate them at your own peril, but they do have these kind of odd curves where they kind of not just drop off in damage, but literally fall. If yeah. you fire on straight, it does kind of force. There's a weird thing with aiming in there as well. There's not really another hero like it. These turrets can, depending on your perspective and what team you're on, obviously, either be annoying little things that you kind of have to place all the time, or they can be these death-dealing turrets that come out of nowhere. But that depends on how good the player is, of course. And then he has an ultimate that's really, really cool, where suddenly the turrets are amazingly powerful and he's storming around the map and you can kind of see him coming because he's glowing molten orange. <laughs> but at the same time, it feels like a very weird character. It's not one that I've played much. I've played a little bit of Mystery Heroes, a little bit when I got the game, but it's not one that I would go back to no. until maybe this rework. It's a hero where there are a few... I consider Overwatch to be a very, very well-balanced game. And there's so much work goes in to make this game balanced. Mm. But only every once in a while do I get the feeling that Torbjorn's not particularly balanced. <laughs> and that's so... But again, I say that whilst also knowing that, yes, of course he is. Because, as you mentioned, his weapon has a very significant drop-off, a very like an arc, I guess, yeah. which you don't see with a lot of other characters. With these really maybe. Though, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and again, that's an, you know, that's all to do with the power of the shot. Whereas, it makes sense. It's a bow and arrow. Exactly. Right? A gun. But then you think about... Obviously, his uh, secondary fire, which is that kind of short-range sort of shotgun blast, which mm. can be quite damaging. Um, but then the turrets themselves, the turrets are the part that I feel is overpowered. Mm. But when you take it as a package of his overall abilities, it does make sense. But the idea that <clears throat> the idea that a Torbjorn turret can, you know, in uh, two or three hits, kill your standard DPS yeah. hero, you know, it can smash down uh, your shields, it can really, really, uh, quite quickly whittle down a tank hero even. Yeah. And it's quite a hardy thing to take out. You know, you know, a full-powered Widowmaker shot, you still need a two or three of those to take out a level three turret. Sure. And that time, or in that time, rather, the turret has sighted on you yeah. 100% accuracy yeah. and is hitting you every time. It's kind of so, auto-aim, auto-aim yeah. kind of thing. And it's really, it's really quite hard work to beat. Definitely. But then every once in a while, it can feel like the right thing in those situations. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, not to put words in Blizzard's mouth, but I think that they realize that some heroes are going to be better, obviously, on different maps, on different compositions, on different things, but I think that they want every hero to be a hero that somebody could play on attack or defense on each different map and at least be useful. If you really, really like a certain hero... Yes, I, you know, I think Jeff said a couple of times, I may be mistaken, but I think he said a couple of times, about not wanting people to be a one-trick, not wanting people to just play one hero all the time to mix things up. It's a, It has such a big cast of heroes that you can play multiple heroes. That's the idea behind it. But if you are a devoted Torbjorn fan and you want to be able to play him and people are, you know, being toxic, which they absolutely should not be, they're, you know, screaming at you or being offensive in the chat, which, again, they should not be. But if somebody's doing that just because you're playing Torbjorn on attack or you're playing on a certain map that they disagree with that... And that's quite a large percentage of people, potentially. That's not a very fun experience. So I think this redresses that balance and makes him more useful as a damage dealer, as well as that... Even then, I was going to say obvious pick for defense, but even then, I feel like people now go to Symmetra for that kind of defensive positioning. I feel like Torbjorn's kind of dropped off from that after the Symmetra rework. So 
I guess it's pulling him back to his status on defence and maybe making him possible on attack. Yeah. Well, I mean, the number of times I've seen uh, a Torbjorn turret mm. sitting at the front of a payload <laughs> covered by an Orisa shield yeah. or uh, a Reinhardt shield and just being... Ugh. Like, I, I had a game once... Where somewhere there's a bastion yeah. in turret mode. Just going to mention bastion. Yeah. I was going to say, why not put a bastion on the payload? Bastion on the payload and a Torbjorn turret Jeez. with an Arisa shield and a Reinhardt shield. And it was just... Everything about it was completely fair, but it didn't feel it <laughs> That, that payload is moving at that stage. It's not a question of if it's moving. It, it's moving. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's hard to stop that payload. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of the rework then, speaking about the details of, of what's yeah. being changed. So as you mentioned, as it stands right now... He's not the fastest character. Yep. He's got that single-shot primary fire with the, with the arc. Yep. He's got the uh, short-range shotgun-type ability. Mm-hmm. He's got his turrets, which start level 1, get level to level 2, the you scrap and the armor packs. To be able yep. to do, they have to gather scrap as you're going around the map. Yep. And then you've got the ultimate molten core. Yeah. Now, the changes that they're oh, making... We should say the ultimate. At the moment, obviously, the ultimate molten core, it levels up the turrets from a level 2, which is the max you can get normally, to a level 3. Yep. So more powerful... Torbjorn gets a speed increase, he can run around, he screams out his famous line of screaming Molten Core, <laughs> yeah. and then he does more damage as well. That's yeah. kind of his current ability set. Yeah, and that's the hero where I think that I've only ever used that ability, well, his ultimate ability, mm. to get that turret killing more things. Yeah. Because I'm not, you know, with that arc, with the fact that he's not the most mobile, mm. I don't do a lot of damage with Torbjorn. And I think this is probably the case for a lot of Torbjorn players. Yeah. You do most of your damage through that turret. Sure. So the thing is, you put that in a good location, you supercharge it with Alton Core, that's that's killing heroes in a couple of shots. Exactly. Like, unshielded, unarmored heroes are getting killed in two shots. Yeah, the no squishies, the DPS heroes are yeah. down. Yeah, you know, a Mercy flies through, she's going down. Yeah. A Tracer can't recall, she's going down. Those kind of things. Like, exactly. Those heroes are going to take taken out quickly. But now, they're thinking about changing that around, so it's going to be... I think they've mentioned it's going to be a bit more attacking focus. Pretty significantly. So they've mentioned changes to his gun, but they've not said what those changes will be. We do know that he will deal more damage, so it will be more effective when you are shooting at people. Uh, But there's more to come still on that. His previous ultimate... I think this is probably the biggest one for me. The current Molten Core will now just be his ultimate ability. He will just be able to pop that. I'm guessing it'll be on a long cooldown, kind of like Mercy's Raz. Yeah. But he will just be able to pop Molten Core a lot more regularly in the map, in the game, sorry, and be able to run around a lot quicker. It increases speed, it increases damage again. Um, it boosts, should boost turrets, I think. No, it doesn't boost turrets. I think it's just the damage and the running, essentially. Yeah. Um, they said something about wanting to do something with the mechanical arm that he's got as well, some kind of added ability, but they've not quite revealed that yet. The big one as well is that all turrets are now level 2. When Torb throws them, there's no level one that needs to be powered up. You throw a turret, and you can throw it now. You don't have to place it. It can actually go up a little bit. So they reckon this should allow him to reach a lot more areas where you couldn't previously put a turret, because yeah. he can kind of throw it slightly more vertically, which yeah. is good. That's what we need. Torbjorn turrets in more difficult locations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, thanks, Blizzard. I don't think he's like frisbeeing them onto the top of buildings, but you could definitely <laughs> kind of chuck them up a little bit is yeah. the idea. Uh, but yeah, definitely that should make it more tricky to find them and to get rid of them. Um, but they're all now level two. There's no more level ones. They're all now a lot more offensive yeah. right from the off and then while the ability the, what, sorry, while the ultimate will still be called Molten Core it has a different thing that it does now this is maybe one of the best fan reactions that I've seen in recent times because they immediately came up with a much much better name for it which is Molten Floor because what the new Molten Core does is allow him to fire out blobs of molten metal that bounce off walls that hit other stuff until they reach the floor 
and then they just expand as this little pool of molten metal. And they stay there for quite a while. They damage any hero that goes into them, so you've got an area of effect kind of thing going on. Uh, some kind of crowd control stuff as well. Obviously being able to block off certain areas with molten metal that's lining the floors. But the other thing here is that this does increase damage to the armor of heroes that have armor. So who's that targeting? Well, Torbjorn's kind of now becoming the anti-tank. Yeah. Very deliberately. He's able to do all this damage, throw out turrets, which can auto-track targets. So he doesn't have to get anywhere near the tank, potentially. But he can distract them and do quite a lot of damage by putting a turret that will shoot in their direction. While potentially other heroes flank, or he tries to flank, whatever might be going on. He can block off the actual uh, control point, potentially, with molten metal, or set up other clever ways of funneling people round if he's clever with how he uses that that molten uh, molten core, new molten core ability. And it's quite nice as well, you mentioned that, because it's sort of, if that ability feels like an answer to Wrecking Ball's minefield, yeah. because Wrecking Ball can also close off an area, mm. but he needs to be in the center of that to release those mines exactly. where it's going to be. Whereas if Torbjorn has the option to fire that into a location, yeah. it gives him more flexibility to do a similar kind of thing. Yeah, that's a great shout, absolutely. And again, potentially a little bit more static in that way, whereas those mines can either be quite densely packed or quite spread out. This is very much a, I pointed there and it went there. It's very much more aimed in that way. Hmm. So more focused, I should say. Um, but it's a really, really, really impressive ultimate. I can't wait to play. I think it's just hit the PTR, but it's, it's going to be an interesting one. It will make me pick up Torbjorn for a little bit at least to try. Yeah. I think what you said before is right about the idea of it feeling, um, or that we're kind of uh, about a troll pick, mm. and it reminded me of a game, um, a league game in which, and I'm not proud to say it, but it was it was a fusion, mm. and they were winning quite significantly. I think it was against the Shanghai Dragons, actually. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Shanghai. Um, Kick but him in on which, the down, man. Kick him on the down. I know. But in which um, Team UK's very own boombox mm-hmm. is on the comm saying, "Can I go Torp now?" Yeah. And there was on um, Watchpoint Gibraltar, and it was just... The thing is, again, all of these plays are 100% legal yep. and well within the rules of the game. Yep. But they basically put a shield on a Torb turret in the doorway as the payload approaches that <laughs> corner at the first point. Yeah. So any, and they had the, it held so tightly that they couldn't get around to flank the turret. They had to go around the front of the turret, yeah. but the turret was level 2 and had a shield in front of it. Yeah. So it was very hard to get through, and it was just such a... It was such a strong defense, but in a way that you didn't see a lot of tour picked in the yeah. league for that very reason. It's and valid, when they chose it, it was a bit, of, oh, a bit. It's dirty. valid, but it feels cheap. Yeah, it's not illegal. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It just <clears> it feels cheap. It feels yeah. like you're winning something that you shouldn't be winning. Yeah, because it not that it didn't take skill, but it didn't take as much skill as some of the other great plays that we've seen. Yeah, and this and this was you know this was map four. Yeah, they'd already taken the first three. They'd won the game yeah. overall. It it was an unnecessary map, I suppose, if you think of it that way. Yeah, but it did feel a bit wrong. And again, Boombox, if you're listening, maybe you are. I don't feel bad about you doing it, but in the moment, it felt a bit like a oh, okay, that's a bit, that's yeah, a bit dirty, exactly. you know. But. Exactly, and I think that's the thing. I think again, Kogo to go back to, it, I think that's what Blizzard wants for all of their heroes is for anything they're doing to go. Yeah, that's a cool thing that I can do. I think that's the ultimate. You know, that that's the ultimate idea of what should happen with a hero in a game is you should do something, and everyone kind of goes, "That was cool." Like you yeah. did a cool thing, rather than just something that you go. Yeah, but you didn't really do anything. You didn't really have any yeah. skill. Yeah. And maybe the Torb turrets, it's, yeah, you can feel... It, you can be guilty of that. It can feel like you're, you're handing off your job as a player to kill the enemy team. And I know that's not the ultimate goal of Overwatch, no. unless you're playing the team deathmatch mode, which is a late addition and very much relegated to the arcade. But 
you're kind of getting rid of your obligation to kill the enemy team through skill by giving it to a literal robot yep. that will shoot people for you. Yeah, and letting the AI, which never misses, exactly. do the job. And yeah. although it can be fun at times, it doesn't always feel It doesn't good. feel as good as, you know, popping a headshot with a widow or yeah. doing something very clever with McCree where you, you know, dive around a corner, fire, roll, fire, that kind of stuff. It yeah. doesn't feel as good as that does. And I think this is their chance to redress that balance, make it more fun. Good. So many more games of playing Torbjorn. Yeah. So then on to uh, a game type which I've only really dabbled in recently. <laughs> And that's the arcade game type, No Limits. Yeah. <laughs> a game type which is, again, for a game as finely balanced as Overwatch, yep. I feel as if the developers one day were just like, ah, we, yeah, whatever. Like, just whatever you want to do. And they invented a game type which allowed you to pick any hero as many times as you want and just go to town. And I think it's a really nice example of, like you mentioned with Team Deathmatch, mm. it's a mode they put in which is not really in the spirit of how the game is played, so it's just a thing in the arcade. You can play if you want it. Yep. Where, and the same goes for, for No Limits. Like The idea is you're meant to create a balanced team to fight another balanced team, yep. whereas in No Limits you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and it's for some very strange results. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I feel like it's kind of, I mean, the expression, the inmates running the asylum. Yes. I kind of feel like this is what it was. I feel like people were just going, we want to do this, we want to do this, and they eventually put it in. And it makes the game more well-rounded. That's the idea. People may love the lore and the, the ideas behind it, the, the narrative stuff that we get, the comics that we get. They may love the look and feel of the game, but maybe for whatever reason that team-based dynamic isn't as much what they want, and they want more fun game modes like Team Deathmatch, like uh, this kind of mode, and like things like Mystery Heroes, and so they just want to play rather than have it be a sport. We talk a lot about the league. Maybe they don't want it to be that kind of very competitive thing. They just want to have some fun in it, and that's a totally valid reason to buy the game. It also kind of feels like the developers just wanted to blow off some steam. Yeah. Maybe they'd worked really, really hard. I'm sure they always work really, really hard. But maybe they've been pushing something and they just kind of went, this is a fun goof. Yeah. We, we can just goof around with this. We can play this while playtesting it, checking the heroes and the abilities. Mm-hmm. But just having some fun and kind of went, maybe we could ship this. That sound, I can see that being the case, basically. Yeah. I can see that being a fun thing that someone wanted to do in the office. And as an example of the madness that is this game mode, <laughs> I recently had a game where I thought, well, I'll give it a try and see what happens. Yeah. I think there was a loot box in it, so I thought I'd give mm-hmm. it a go. Um, Always do it for the loot box. Always of course. Of course. And I, I wound up in a game where we, our team was triple Anna, triple Widowmaker. Sounds perfectly balanced. I don't know what the problem is in any way. Uh, I guess <laughs> an opposing team of triple Anna, triple Symmetra. Oh, and on Oasis, and it was probably the most insane game of Overwatch I've ever played. Because there were simply there was just sniper shots everywhere, there were turrets everywhere. It was just carnage, and it was so much fun to play in a way that totally should not have been. Because nothing about either team composition Mm. was was balanced at all. You know, a triple healer that you know six players snipers like it doesn't make sense. Yeah, but that's what made it fun. So the idea of playing, I believe it was the uh, the university segment of the Oasis map, and being up around the point, and standing there as a Widowmaker player, next to another Widowmaker player, with an Anna and a Widowmaker across the way from yeah. us, and then throwing in you know three Venom Mines uh, as they approach the point, 
and then just Symmetra's teleporting into the center of the point and just headshots across the map with each other <laughs> and then being flanked by an Anna who threw a, a biotic grenade and then having to use Widow's Kiss and just fire randomly in her direction and put her off. It was just nuts. It was yeah. nuts. But it was a really fun example of a way to play the game mm. where you can't take it seriously yep. and you can't get frustrated with it because... It's just nuts, you know, and it's meant to be. You know, I once saw a game where the opposing team was playing Six Mercies. <laughs> and I must say, it was one of the weirdest games ever. Yeah. Because we were basically, they were playing um, uh, triple attacking Mercy. Yeah. And then triple damage boosting Mercy. Oh, jeez. Or rather, they had two boosting damage and one healing. Yeah. So you just had the <laughs> Mercy with her blaster just firing in all directions but damage boosted, so it, was, so it was basically a really strong DPS mercy, <laughs> whilst also having the healing and the res capabilities. You figure yeah. six resurrections in short, so, you know, you can't beat yeah. that. You might roll in there with a half a dozen tanks, these mercies are probably still going to best you, because yeah. even if you knock one down, they're just going to get res. And it's just, that, you know, that kind of, that kind of what the hell game mm. mode. Yeah is something that I think really, really adds to that. And in a, in a future episode, we'll come to um, uh, the uh, Total Mayhem mode, mm. which is another example of what-the-hell gameplay <laughs> that I think just makes it so much more. And if, if you're out there and you haven't played No Limits, play it, but don't pick a hero until everyone else has. Because mm. the reason why I ended up playing Widow in that particular game is because we had two Annas and two Widows, and there was someone who was playing Widow continually spamming the Choosing Widow button, saying, pick Widow, pick Widow, pick Widow. And so I did. And the idea of Triple Widowmaker is just nuts. Yeah. Uh, and you should definitely play that if you get a chance. Mm, it kind of, you know, it, it, it is absolutely insane. And at the same time, though, I can see, I can see an interesting parallel to other games. There's quite a few other games, FPSs, that kind of stuff, that have a snipers only mode. Yeah. And it reminds me of stuff that we've seen in the league and stuff I've seen myself of when you get in that one v one widow duel, and you are just looking for it. These maps are so beautifully crafted; they have such great sight lines. And you know that there's an enemy widow down there, and you're just trying to step around a corner and see ahead and and pull the trigger and line it up because that is an immensely satisfying feeling. Being able to pop a widow headshot, yes. Being able to pop a widow headshot on another widow, that is amazing. And you will feel robbed if you miss it. <laughs> I had one of those recently. I was playing Numbani, and we were attacking up in the final point, mm. and I knew that there was an enemy widow. I knew that she was firing right across the point. Yep. So I went around the side, and as I went on the side, I saw that she was aiming directly ahead of me like to, to my right sighted in fully like she didn't know I was there yeah. and I thought this is my moment yep. and I cannot miss this shot <laughs> if I do she will get me yep. and I just sighted in and I took perhaps a little bit longer than I should have yeah. but I was like I need to get it right absolutely yeah. and, <laughs> so, and I got her and I thought I met, she must be so upset right now because yeah, whoever, whoever's playing her because they were they were really popping off yeah. against my team and I just went, no. And just you, get that. you get that flank for whatever reason. Yeah. You approach them in a way they don't expect, and you can just nail it. And, and I'm pretty cool. sure it was a Mystery Heroes game as well, uh, okay. because I wouldn't normally play Widow on that yeah. map. Yeah. Uh, and it was the idea that they were definitely building up an infosite. Like, that was definitely <laughs> happening. And I think I put a stop to it. Ruined it. And it felt great. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So moving away from Mystery Heroes to kind of our, uh, I think we both said before on numerous occasions, our, our preferred hero. Yeah. Let's talk about tanks. Because I think that it's very easy to talk about the game modes and the league and everything else, but to get away from the actual heroes themselves. Mm. And I think that we're both uh, avid tank players, 
uh, with perhaps slightly different styles. Because mm. like I say, from the last episode, I mentioned that I'd seen you play some diva, and it saddened me because you were <laughs> a better diva player than I was. Um, but I think we have different styles of that. Yeah. But I know that all you've played diva quite religiously as your tank mm-hmm. of choice. Sure. Um, and I kind of branched out to to some other sort of main tank options. But I think it's quite nice to talk about a our, our favorite tank, which is as we know, but kind of why we play it and also what other tanks we want to try and play, I guess. Yeah. Or play styles we've developed. Yeah, I mean, tanks for me as, as a category give some of the most interesting play styles of any of the different heroes. If we look at most of the attacking heroes first, just to contrast it, a lot of them are the same. Well, not the same, but a lot of them are quite similar. They're very much DPS. They have a gun. You shoot the gun. That's what you do. We have some cool abilities like Traces, but abilities obviously like Warp Around to, to Recall as well. But fundamentally, you're shooting people. That's, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're somebody like Diva, one of my favorites, you've got two different weapons. So right off the bat, we've doubled the number of options that you've got. You can shoot these weak, weaker little cannons, and you've got missiles in there as well. That immediately is enough to get my interest. Then you've got the ability to use a shield and the ability to boost. So you're immediately more mobile. You've got twice as many shooting options, and you can shield for a little bit. That's immediately got me. I play quite a bit of road, Roadhog as well sometimes, um, and that gives me, again, two methods of fire. One gun, but two methods of fire, short range and a long range. That's more interesting to me. And for him, it's the ability to heal. Mm-hmm. Now, he can yeah. self-heal, and when he does that, when he does his take-a-breather ability, he kind of pops a little vial to his, his uh, breathing mask, and it, it gives him uh, recovers health, and it also reduces the amount of damage that he takes. Both that ability and Diva's ability to uh, boost away give me more playtime. If I'm a DPSer and I run in and I get caught in that situation, I'm dead. Yeah. That can happen almost immediately. You turn the wrong corner, there's two heroes, you go down a bad alley in a bad neighborhood. Yeah. You, you turn the wrong corner and it completely changes. You just get destroyed by a team. And obviously that comes down to ability. I would never say that I'm an amazing player or anything. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lord my own abilities there. But you, you, there are certain situations that no one can avoid. Yeah. If you're a tank like a diva, you can boost out of the way, and chances are you'll get out of the way. If you're a roadhog, again, you can use that take a breather and hook somebody to pull them up position. There's lots of stuff that you can do. It gives you options. Yeah, that's right. It's also the fact as well that in addition to just having the staying power to actually stay in the fight for longer, which is important to me, you're also the backbone of that team. You have people around you. You have healers healing you. You have. Uh, DPS weakening targets and moving to forwards into new advanced positions but you're moving the payload you're playing such a core role in that team that that's something that, that really really resonates I really really enjoy doing that mm-hmm. it's something that brings me happiness yeah and I can I can echo that because I think that I I have uh, had my time playing DPS heroes mm-hmm. and every once in a while I'll have a good game yeah. maybe but they'll never be my number one yeah. and I think it's because I very much want to get in the fight and stay in the fight. Yeah. And I think there are certain heroes that you can do that with if you play the game well. Like, you know, Tracer, I think, is a great hero, but I too many times have I poorly timed a recall <laughs> and just yeah. gone. You know, Absolutely. 150 HP in a game of Overwatch is not a lot of it's hit points. Thing. So it's really yeah. a case of, yeah, you do wind up in that wrong situation, and if you don't recall in time, you're gone. Yeah. Um, same with, you know, a character like McCree, you know, 200 HP on McCree... But again, it's not... You know, you get hooked by a Roadhog and a headshot, you're gone. Exactly. Um, you play a hero like uh, like D.Va with a 600 HP and that eject ability, which I think is an absolutely incredible mechanic where yeah. you go from a mech to a separate D- 
DPS hero, basically. It gives you a second chance. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. That's huge. You know, you got someone like uh, in a Roadhog with about 600 HP, and then you go to my, my current preferred tank, which is Reinhardt, mm. with his 500 HP, but that barrier shield that he has, yeah. who's a hero... And it's weird, because I started playing the game, and I think if you listen to the first episode of this, I'm talking about how much I'm playing Diva all the time. Yeah. Now, I play Reinhardt far more. Mm. And it's, my playstyle has moved from that extra mobile... You know that kind of, uh, uh, especially a tank hero that can move around like that. Yeah. To a, a tank hero that is much slower, doesn't have the range really of the rockets and things like that. Absolutely. Um, but has that shield and is much more a defensive hero for the rest of the team. Yeah. And I think that that's changed my play style in that I'm far less likely to go off and be a lone wolf yeah. hero. You know, like I'll stay with my team. I'll stay with the payload. You know, if I have a uh, if I have DPS heroes moving up, I'll, I'll make sure I get the shield up so they can fire from behind my shield and do the damage that needs to be done. And it's really changed the way I play and made me a far more considered player. Mm. But it's the idea of a, a character like like Reinhardt. You have that ability for the fire strike. You have that, that, that long-range shot yeah. with, like a, I think it's like an eight-second cooldown. You have that charge ability. So if you do really want to get in the mix, mm. you can. And stop rolling, start scrapping. Yeah, and if you do time it well and you aim it right... You know, you can kill a DPS or a support hero oh, by charging him into a wall or another object. And that, combined with then being able to swing that hammer mm-hmm. and then throw your shield up to keep, you know, buy yourself some more time while your team follows up, yeah. is a, is a, it's, it can be hard to get it right. And the number of times I've charged in, <laughs> thought, I've got this, put my shield up just for a DPS hero to run on the back of my shield and blow me up. Yeah. Uh, too many times for me to count. Yeah. But when it goes right... And you get in there, and maybe you drop a, a, an Earth Shatter, and you pin a couple of yes. heroes, and you can do some amazing things with devastating that. Devastating ability, Earth Shatter. Sorry, a devastating ultimate. Yeah. Uh, just incredible. But then you combine, you sort of compare that with heroes like Arisa. Mm. And I was saying to you earlier before that I, when I started off, I played Arisa quite a bit. And I really enjoyed her abilities, yeah. and the shield, and, and the weaponry. And I, thought it was really, and I just still feel that's a great hero. Yeah. But I can't play her anymore. Like, I tried recently, and I'm just not a very effective Orisa player. And it's so odd that my playstyle has changed so much that this hero that I was quite comfortable with, yeah. now when I play, I think, oh, I'm not doing great here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's weird how that would change around. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I think the great thing about this is as reworks come, you know, Diva got a rework that added missile. She didn't have that originally. That's, mm-hmm. that's a fairly recent change uh, in the grand scheme of things. But as these reworks come, as these changes come, as these balance changes come and so on, it can shift somebody's playstyle. And obviously the amount of time that you then invest playing in a certain area does move you in those different ways. But it's good there because you'll find that you'll go around one way and then you'll come back on down to that same hero and then back off to another one. What I want to maybe shift the conversation to now then is which tank don't you play? Because I know which one it is for me and I know which I think is maybe one of the weakest tanks and one of the ones I think actually probably needs a bit of a rework. But I'd be interested, what, what, who do you not play as a tank? I think that the tank I will never choose mm. is Zarya. Interesting, right. Because it's a, it's a very different kind of tank here with a mm. different kind of weapon and a different kind of uh, shielding abilities. And I think that she's a great hero, but I can never really play her. And I feel like things like the... Um, the cooldown times yeah. on those shields and only having 400 hit points compared to yeah. five or 600 for the tanks means that of the of the tanks I feel that she's the squishiest you know which yeah, is sure. odd considering her story that she is one of the strongest <laughs> in the whole world um, 
But yeah. no, it, it's definitely a hero where whenever I, I... It's very rare that I'll ever have a good game of Zarya. Sure. And generally only in Mystery Heroes, sure. because I, I don't play her in, in Quick Player or Comp very often, or ever, actually. Mm. Um, but no, that that's probably the, the one tank hero that I, I can't really... Not that I don't enjoy playing, but that I... I don't really have the mechanical skill to play well, yeah. and I think that training that is something that I, I would never give the time to. Fair, fair. No, I mean, I mean, in terms of Zarya, just to reflect on that for a minute, I, I think the thing that got me to play her more was I was getting killed by her quite a bit as D.Va, mm-hmm. originally, and I found ways to deal with that now, and I know when to back off and when to go in for the kill and that kind of stuff. I've learned that. But I, I think I got a cool skin for it, just to be blunt, in the loot box. <laughs> I think I got a cool, the, the cyber, the Siberian cyber skin. Oh, cool, okay. um, The robot-looking one, basically. Um, and I think I got the 80s one as well, actually. I got kind of lucky in a couple of loot boxes. <laughs> and that was kind of like a, yeah, I should probably play this here, and I've got some cool skins. So I've, I've actually kind of come around on Zary. I still don't play him much, but occasionally, if it seems like the right tool for the job, maybe somebody else has picked D.Va, you need that extra tank, and you're yeah. like, mm, actually, yeah, I'll go with that. The one I was going to suggest, actually, as being one of the, the, the ones maybe in need of a bit of review, was Winston. Yeah. He's needed it for a while, and I, I saw a parallel there between Torbjorn and Winston. Some people like Winston. I've seen Winston the time I've been playing Overwatch go from one that no one ever picked because it wasn't very effective to being a great tank to pick with dive comps and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And now it seems to be back into a bit of a lull of not seeing Winston as much. Maybe yeah. for those dive comps... Maybe for certain scenarios, maybe more in the league than in regular play, just because obviously they really know what they're doing. But it kind of feels like you've got this hero that can dive in, that can smack down, that's got a shield and this lightning cannon, but the lightning cannon's not very good. It doesn't do a tremendous amount of damage, which mm. it shouldn't do, but it doesn't do enough. It doesn't feel that they've quite found what's right with that. Yeah. The shield is cool, uh, but it does isolate, obviously, to a certain area, so it's only in certain scenarios where it's massively useful. And it kind of feels like he can obviously leap forward but then is immediately on his own without yeah. really much of a way to defend himself. And when you have heroes like Doomfist where he can jump forward and cause damage when he lands, Winston, I think, knocks back a little bit, but it's not much. That seems like that's ripe for a bit of a rework. Maybe a slightly longer jump range, maybe more damage when he impacts. Um, I don't know how you'd fit this in mechanically, but it would be so cool if he could in some way hang off buildings. Kind of like Hanzo's running up a wall ability, or Genji's running up a wall ability. But almost the ability, I'm thinking Temple of Anubis with those pillars. You can just jump from pillar to pillar. Like, if he hits a wall, it resets his jump ability or something, like like an actual ape. That would be amazingly cool, and lend itself to more mobility for dive. Um, But just something's not quite right. Maybe an alternate fire. Uh, but then we have a lot That's of heroes true. like Zarya that have some kind of grenade. Yeah. Uh, but maybe some, there's something in there that doesn't quite sit right with how much damage he outputs. Like it didn't sit right with D.Va just having those turrets. They added the missiles. Yeah. It feels very similar. He's the other high mobility tank, and he doesn't have the same kind of kit that D.Va has. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned because I, I, I did go through a phase of playing quite a lot of Winston. Mm. And I think that it was sort of when I was interested in how the dive comp worked and mm. if someone else was playing D.Va, I would just switch to Winston and then just for that ability to kind of uh, make space or to have that sudden diving yep. moment sort of on uh, control maps especially, the idea of, of uh, making something happen by just diving onto the point yeah. and dropping a shield and then just attacking anybody around me. Yeah. And the problem with that is that you very often don't live very long yeah. unless you're playing a very coordinated team. Exactly. But if you are, you can really make make a change and you can mm. make a difference. Absolutely. But you're right. I think that it's the tricky thing is 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 what to change. Yeah. If you figure that the the leap ability 
kind of fits in with his character. Makes yep. sense as a giant, giant engineer ape. He's probably able to leap quite far. Exactly. Um, Primal Rage, I think, makes sense. I think it's you very know, cool. It, it's a very cool ultimate, definitely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's very hard to stop a, a Primal Rage Winston. Um, the shield, it being a static thing, uh, but at the same time, I, I kind of like that it is in that way. And yeah, the fact that it's a 360 you know, sphere else. as well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you often see it employed on that bridge on Watchpoint Gibraltar, just, just outside of the yeah. point, and it goes all the way around that, which is quite useful. Yeah. Um, the Tesla Cannon, I think, is... The only trick is if you if you increase... I was thinking, when you said that, my first thought was, well, make it a single beam, make it more damage in a concentrated beam. Yeah. But then that's Zarya's weapon. Exactly. So you can't really do that. Um, I like yeah. the scattering mechanic, but I wonder if there's some way for it to maybe chain between enemies. Yeah. Or maybe if... Not to copy Roadhog's ability, but if he had some kind of healing mechanism, like pulling out a banana. Yeah. <laughs> Blizzard loves strategic humor. Maybe throw in something like that yeah. where you can just heal a little bit. Jar of peanut butter. Something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just something else added to give him that extra attack or mm. give him that balancer, basically. The extra attack or the extra defense. You're right, something though. Something else to his weapon or something to heal him. Because if, if we look at, and again, to go back to, to League play, if we look mm. at League play from the very first stage, yeah. there's a lot of dive, there's a lot of Diva Winston. Yeah. As the, as the, the sort of League season moved on, we saw a lot more Roadhog, we saw a lot yeah. more Zarya, uh, we saw a lot more standard Reinhardt. Um, Diva was always still in there as well for most teams. Because she's the best hero. Well, of course. Clearly. But Winston did really taper off. Yeah. Uh, and you had people playing, you know, people like Roadhog or, uh, you know, in defensive maps Arisa and things. So you didn't see a lot of uh, of Winston being played. So, yeah, maybe Absolutely. maybe a rework. And I suppose with their with their work rate at the minute, yeah. the rework on uh, Symmetra and Sombra. And now Torgorn, perhaps we'll see that. Because they're, they're working on the heroes that have been there the longest. Absolutely. Uh, and Winston's been there since day one. So Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think Winston's in a similar position to where Torbjorn was. Rather than, or, or even somber, rather than being in the position of, say, Symmetra. Mm. Symmetra, broken is a harsh word. Yeah. But she felt a little bit broken. She just wasn't being played. Whereas Torbjorn is. Winston is, but both of them weren't being played very much. Yeah. And I feel like that's the state he's in now. He just needs some little tweaking that someone smarter than me can figure out. <laughs> But that tweak will give him back a lot of that play, I think. Maybe yeah. it's just a meta shift. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's a small buff and a nerf here and there, and it'll swing the other way. But I think a little minor rework would be in order. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Almost like Hanzo's arrows. Changing that scatter arrow. That, in the grand scheme of things, is a small rework. It's one ability. But actually, it makes quite a big difference to how that arrow is played. Yeah, Definitely. Cool, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Yeah. Uh, if you've got any uh, suggestions on uh, your favorite heroes, what you think about the tanks, what you think about the Torbjorn rework or anything else, or if you want to just talk trash about a nation <laughs> in the World Cup, uh, reach out on Heroes Needed Pod on Twitter or via the NerdOD social pages too. Uh, but yeah, until then, until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Richard. And we'll see you later.